thank you so much for joining us to discuss best practices to minimize event disruptions in a virtual world. The last several months have been very interesting for all of us, to say the least. In today's virtual world, we are fortunate that people are forgiving and accustomed to hearing a dog bark or seeing a child walk by. The line between work and home has naturally become blurred. But through it all, I continue to admire how we as a community have pivoted to virtual events. It's incredible what we have learned and what we continue to learn. I'm Jennifer Squalia, an FICP Board of Director, and I'm honored today to be joined by two professionals who are great talents in the events industry and will share their wisdom and best practices as we evolve in this new events environment. It's an honor for me to welcome today's panelists. First is Karen Ponte, CMP, who is a Senior Meeting Planner at Liberty Mutual. Next is Beth Daniel, DMCP, CIS, Managing Director of PRA in Palm Springs. Karen and Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you both just share a really quick snapshot of your background? Karen, let's go ahead and start with you. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate you having me. Um, I've been in the industry for about 20 years. Uh, can't believe it's been that long. Time flies. We're having fun. Um, I joined FICP back in 2005, and since then, I've been a very active volunteer. I've been on many different committees, and I also have the honor of being on the board of directors for three years. In my current role at Liberty Mutual, I spend most of my time planning leadership and incentive meetings. That's great. Well, thank you for all your service with FICP. Uh, and I know it's because of FICP that you and I are uh, friends and colleagues. So grateful for that. And another friend from FICP is Beth. Beth, why don't we go ahead, if you could share a little bit about your background, please. Thank you. Hey, Jen. Greetings from Palm Springs. Um, I, like Karen, have been in the industry for 21 years. And before that, I actually came from an executive admin and restaurant background. So details and service run in my blood. What can I say? Um, I've been with PRA since 2014 and actually started my career with them in 99. Uh, I worked there for several years, and then I worked at a venue and a hotel. So I feel like my, my experience has rounded out really well. I've been with FICP since 2009. I have also served on some committees, have attended some amazing regional as well as about eight annual conferences, which are, of course, we're missing this year live, but uh, we'll be there at Reimagined. And what I love about the FIC community is, um, although many of us are in competing markets, there's a sense of partnership and collaboration between both hospitality partners and meeting planners where we share best practices and learn from one another. I think that's just invaluable. Oh, I completely agree. And this podcast is a perfect example of that collaboration and partnership. I mean, it's the foundation of what FICP is founded, you know, it's what we're founded on. And honestly, that is what's making this, you know, really crazy disruptive time so much more tolerable because of all these great people and partnerships that we have through FICP. So thank you both. Uh, so glad that uh, we're looking forward to a great discussion today. So let's start with the site inspection. You know, Beth, as a DMC, you are accustomed to showing off your absolute gorgeous destination in person. Um, and as many of your clients are now unable to travel due to company travel bans, you've started arranging digital site inspections. And I know you've learned a lot along the way. Can you just share a couple stories with us and, and what you have learned? 
I would love to. Thank you. And yes, there's nothing like an in-person, as you mentioned, and so we're all missing that right now, being together. But um, like many other listening probably today on the podcast, I'm a touch, feel, and see learner. And so, um, you know, just seeing something, nothing beats in-person. However, due to the pandemic, travel is halted and in-person sites have been canceled. So we delivered our first digital engagement in June, and we wanted to ensure the client was as immersed as possible so bringing Palm Springs to uh, life via Zoom was important. And we did that. Uh, we had to plan for that. We had a timeline. We had an overview. We had rehearsals. Uh, we had about six of our team participating in that. And you just rehearse. You prepare. And um, you know, we pre-recorded some aspects of that. We double-checked sound. Um, you want to be really wary about things like background noise, Muzak, waterfalls, birds. Uh, we had all of the above in the site that we did. And it wasn't until somebody else listened to the recording that they caught those things. So we were able to mitigate those um, noises. But um, you just want to be aware of that. You always want to have a backup plan. Um, during my site inspection, I actually, my second one that I did in, in September is my, something happened in my part of the presentation that my screen went blank, and so I had a hard copy of my presentation. So I called that out to the folks listening, and I just said, I'm going to be, you know, looking away from the screen from a little bit because they were seeing me, and I was just referring to my notes. So as long as, as well as having a backup plan and having a hard copy, we also had an individual that is assigned to be my backup. So if something happened to me or something, um, the cameras went out or the audio went out, somebody else knew my part of the conversation to roll with it. And then one other thing that we don't always think about because we're so focused on Wi-Fi and being connected these days is we do recommend having a hardwired Ethernet cable if at all possible. So if your Wi-Fi does go down, you do have that. I think all of us have been on a call and the audio goes out or the video goes out, and that's just no fun for anyone. So lessons learned for sure. Yeah, I mean, some great lessons there. And I think, you know, one thing I think our industry uh, professionals are excel at is thinking on your feet. And, um, and you obviously made a lot of great course corrections there, and you learned a lot. So, it, you know, we're all Absolutely. learning right now. The learning curve mm -hmm. is, is just off the charts. <laughs> and um, speaking of Internet connectivity, so, gosh, has it ever been more important? Oh, my goodness. Um, so, Karen, you have, I think you have a pretty good story about not only internet connectivity, but also kind of corporate security protocols and technology issues that you have to be mindful of. Can um, you talk a little bit about that, please? Yes. Uh, just as Beth was mentioning, having backup people and uh, being able to pivot quickly, the same um, comes into play when you're trying to execute a virtual event. So back right after we pivoted from the live event to a virtual event, um, it was my first activity that I was planning. And I had proposed a bunch of different activities, but my business partner really wanted to do an escape room. So I did not have very much experience um, with a virtual escape room. I'd only done them in person before. So did a little research. And it was difficult to find. Uh, a virtual escape room that would be up to par for a large corporation like Liberty, and this was an executive group. So I did go with a vendor who I've used before. We, of course, did a demo. We did a demo with my technical person. Um, and then two days before the actual event, we did one more test 
and we could not get the escape room to work. We, to this day, I'm not exactly sure why. I think it had something to do with uh, Liberty Mutual sending out a security patch that prevented us from being able to access the web-based game app. Uh, but we had to pivot again. <laughs> so luckily, um, I was working with a vendor who was a trusted partner, and they were vested in the success of this virtual activity. And uh, we came up with an alternate activity, which uh, ended up being trivia. Um, so a lot different than an escape room, but you know, simpler. We did not need to be worried about the, the internet and the security patch. And the attendees didn't know anything different. They had a great time um, playing the trivia game. So my takeaways from that is keep it simple, <laughs> especially when you're learning. Um, use trusted vendors who are willing to partner with you and um, understand your needs. And I would also say, like Beth said, have a backup plan. Uh, not that you need to to contract two different activities, but maybe always just kind of have something in the back of your in your back pocket in case you need to switch at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, great lessons learned. And I also think, kind of listening to that, I think we as planners try to like test and run everything, you know, well in advance of the event. But I think almost in a virtual world, you want to start well in advance, so you got to keep going, right? Because if that security, mm -hmm. you would have probably not discovered that security patch, you know. And um, I, I think you just got to keep testing and right up to the minute of the event just to make sure everything's running smoothly. Um, I, I don't think, you know, you can, you can test enough. So um, great, great stuff. And it sounds like it was a very successful mm -hmm. event. I, and the other thing I'm finding in this virtual world too is that you don't want to share too much like about the agenda, like too many times mm -hmm. and everything too far ahead of time, right? Because things, things change. And Absolutely. I think with the virtual yep. world, yeah, yeah, it's not like they're packing a suitcase and need you know a bunch of stuff in advance. You know, they mm -hmm. just uh, you can. So I think that's that's awesome. So it's interesting. We've talked a lot about virtual and internet, and I, and one thing I'm seeing um, is that gifting is mm -hmm. such a huge <laughs> part of this virtual experience, right? And it has nothing to do with internet. <laughs> I mean, right. it's in a way, but it's like sending something, you know, via your courier and having it, you know, opening it up, you know, all together when you're on Zoom or what have you. And it's just been a huge part of the, you know, a huge enhancement and a kind of a really special part of this full-on, you know, virtual experiences. So, Beth, Tell me a little bit about, I know, you know, the couriers, uh, I mean, what can go wrong probably has, right? Uh, I think that's oh, what in my, <laughs> my camp. So can you share a couple stories, some challenges you've had, and what, and what you do to overcome them? And again, we're always learning, right? Right, right. Well, and such perfect timing that we're talking about this today because we really are in the middle of a, a digital or a, a gifting experience as we speak. And I woke up this morning to check on my phone and we're already having, you know, conversations via email. I've got my team all across the country who's fulfilling this. So it's interesting for sure and lessons learned. Um, you know, we do meetings, we do conferences, but incentive is, you know, where we recognize and acknowledge our winners throughout the year. And so it, this year we just really have been able to do that in any way that we have in the past. So how do we reach out to them? How do we acknowledge them, you know, reward them and, and make them feel special? So um, we, we're tying ours to a mixologist, just giving you a frame of reference. What does that look like? You know, well, how do you do a, a, a gifting experience? 
So we are pre-recording a mixology, and then we are sending out boxes out to several winners. And what we're finding is, well, first of all, we didn't get all of the, the um, addresses on our deadline on Friday. So that, that's the first thing. So then what's the latest? We can get them out and still get them to them in time. And um, so we're working with FedEx. Um, you know, we're all doing our best. We feed everything into a main system. Uh, we can't deliver to PO boxes, whereas some people, that's their mailing address. So there's just a lot to learn about this. Um, we have staff set up and ready to go. All over the weekend, the boxes were packed up and shipped out today. And guess, get what, guess what? We're still missing about 30 addresses. So then what do you do? So then you re, re-staff again. We're having things delivered to a warehouse that right now, because of COVID, people are at you know, 8 to 5 Monday through Friday. So we need to know what every shipment's coming in. What is that shipment? Um, making sure you get availability in the quantity. You know, when a client first reaches out to you and asks, we'd like to do this, how much does it cost? then there's decisions that have to be made, and that exact product may not be what's available when the order is placed. So it's just, I think what Karen has said, and we've said it over and over, having trusted partners is just, you know, the hugest asset that we can have, for sure. Um, other things to be keeping mindful of is, you know, each time there's a shorter time frame to putting this together, adds more cost, you know, if we can send something three-day versus overnight, um, you know, the cost doubles or triples. Um, people are on tighter, tighter budgets, so staying in continuous contact regarding costs, all of that takes time. Like I said, we were emailing back and forth Friday, emailing back and forth this many phone calls, called the client. And just communication is key, as we've talked about, keeping everybody looped in and uh, knowing what's going on and, and just keeping the conversation going. And like we've said, this is all new to us. And so just people being flexible is really important and, again, mindful on deadlines. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think at the last, you know, seven or eight months, I mean, I, you know, we as, as event industry professionals, we use shipping companies all the time, right? FedEx, UPS, they're all great. They do a great job, and um, but you think about what's happened with them. All, in all their sorting facilities, they all have to wear masks and six feet apart. They used to be able to deliver 80 boxes to one loading dock for or one hotel, you know, whether a whole hotel loading dock or, you know, your facility or what have you, and now it's like 80 different residential addresses. So it's been challenging for our courier companies as well. So just as much time as you can... Um, pad in, and to your point, Beth, that's not always the case. Things are kind of happening mm -hmm. fast and furious, and requests are coming up and getting addresses and all that. So, mm -hmm. it's you're trying to stay ahead of it. It's challenging. So, I commend you, and I hope uh, <laughs> I'm sure everything will come off beautifully. Um, that's the plan. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Karen, as someone you know, you have executed numerous virtual activities in the past several months. Um, that has involved ordering gifts. So what are things that you consider as a meetings professional when you're looking at doing incorporating gifting? Yeah, well, the, these tips apply basically for every activity. Sometimes it can be difficult just figuring out what time to hold the activity. If you have attendees across multiple time zones, um, it's not appropriate to do happy hour if it's midnight in Singapore or <laughs> to do, um, you know, a lunch break if it's, you know, the breakfast time and the West Coast. So we really had to kind of get a little bit creative even just picking the times. Most of my meetings that I've 
been doing since their leadership type meetings, I usually have at least one international attendee, which really makes shipping challenging. Um, it's already difficult enough to ship alcohol and food sometimes in the US, then you add that international uh, level of complexity. Um, so that's something to definitely keep in mind. Um, and then, you know, we're always trying to find creative ideas that haven't been done before. And the longer that this pandemic goes on, the harder it's getting to, to find new and different and creative that everyone hasn't already done a million times. Like I mentioned trivia earlier. Well, I'm not really doing much trivia now because everybody's done that several times. Right. Um, and then, you know, it also goes back to what Beth and I have both been saying, you know, partnering with um, vendors and companies who have corporate experience and who you trust. Um, I'm currently looking at doing um, some chocolate tasting events and I've booked one of them and was super excited about it and I have been having a lot of trouble getting a hold of that vendor. Um, in the meantime, I found a new uh, chocolate vendor who replies within 30 seconds of getting my email. So lesson learned, if I'm going to be doing a chocolate event, I'm going to call that partner who responds to me very quickly um, to, that gives me that sense of security instead of wondering, uh-oh, did this vendor just take my money and run? <laughs> so yeah. So a lot to consider um, when you're doing gifts and virtual activities. Um, but I think after doing this for all these months, we're all getting better and better at it and definitely um, leaning on our partners a lot more. I've, I've actually started um, enlisting the help of a local DMC, and it's really taken a lot of the pressure off. And I understand that that's not always possible for every event or activity. Not everybody has the budget, um, or some people just want to go direct. But um, I've found just for myself, sometimes when I'm working with the senior leadership team, it just gives me that sense of security knowing that I'm working with a trusted partner. Yeah, you can't put a price tag on trust, reliability. Right. <clears throat> you know, you just need to have confidence. I mean, when you think about it in this virtual world, you know, to our, you know, we just talked about courier services and internet connectivity. I mean, there's so many other things that you have to focus on. It's really important to have those people that you can count on with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we're um, saying that well, too from a hotel side. Just pardon to interrupt is is because oh, you're the good. hotels, unfortunately, you know, their their teams are so uh, light that they're reaching out to the DMCs a lot as well um, for support. So that is that makes a lot of sense. Seeing. Yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, you, you know, thank you both. Great stories, great lessons learned. Um, let's talk about a few other best practices, you know, share with our audience today. Beth, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, you know, one thing that I noticed and, and I've picked up in being in so many, as we all are, Zoom calls and Teams calls these days is when somebody's presenting, you want them to be very focused and very present. And so them trying to monitor a chat box can be a little bit difficult. And yet, if, they are, if they're saying, if you have a question, put it in the chat box, and then it doesn't get answered, that's frustrating, right? So having whoever is, is uh, focused and presenting, having them engaged in doing that, and then having somebody else monitor the chat box, answer those questions, or bring those to the presenter, I think that's really key. Yeah, and assigning those roles up front, right? And, and, and then absolutely. having backups, because, yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and from the corporate planning side, it's the same thing. We, we make sure that 
we have multiple ro roles assigned. We have um, an event producer, a backup event producer. We've got a moderator, a backup moderator. Um, and then there's usually someone like me, a planner, just um, on there keeping an eye on things and kind of in the background. And we also have a text chain going just amongst ourselves so that it's not distracting um, um, in the chat box. Like we kind of just doing it on the background there. Yeah, that's, I think being able to communicate with the other folks without the, you know, the audience seeing is, is critical. Like somebody could say, mm -hmm. you know, my, I had to go on mute, my dog's barking or something. You know, even just the littlest things, right? You mm -hmm. know, I mean, communicating is more critical than ever. Karen, can you talk a little bit about like the, some good tidbits you've learned about just communication, not only just to presenters, yeah. attending to everybody? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely critical. And we've found that keeping it succinct and frequent, kind of more frequent but small bites um, and timely is, is working well. Because if you send one big, long, no-before-you-go email, uh, some of the details can get lost. Um, for example, I consider myself a pretty organized person. And I was participating in a staff meeting. And we were told, you know, be on the lookout for a package. Uh, but I, I, we received the email like the week before, and I, I guess I didn't write it on my calendar, and I forgot, and my package was sitting in the mailbox, and it was something that needed to be refrigerated. So um, <laughs> kind of the takeaway from that was maybe uh, send more than one communication, and uh, you know, when you can, we try to track the package and maybe even notify when it's been delivered so that the attendee or participant knows to go outside and bring it inside and put it in the fridge. <laughs> Um, though we've now created a, a before you log in communication and, and again, smaller bite-sized pieces. So it's, it's maybe not as clean and organized, but it allows people to kind of digest it in the pieces that, as they need to know it. You know, Karen, exactly. you bring up a good point. I'm, I was just thinking about that small bites, but then maybe at the very end, you almost send a recap of everything so it's all in one mm -hmm. document. Because that's one thing for me. It's like, okay, I can't read it today. I'll read it tomorrow sort of thing. And so if you send it in bite-sized pieces, but then, you know, right before the event's going to happen, then you get a summary of everything for those who have missed the three of the five or something like that. You know, people's attention spans yeah. are short. So we all do the best keeping them engaged. Um, Karen, I think you actually brought this up, sending a pre-read to the attendees ahead of time. So, they, so there's less reading during the session, you know, making sure if there's handouts, mm -hmm. getting them to them. People may want to print them out, put notes on them, that sort of thing. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I like my paper. So I like being able to take notes. And uh, I just attended one last week that was an hour and a half long. But I was really engaged. They had good handouts, and they had sent us um, information in advance. And the other thing is, is to, we seem to be taking longer breaks now, 30 minutes, um, and then keep, use breakouts. You know, those of us who attended the FICP calls, it's great when you go into a smaller room, you're maybe with 10 or 12 people, and you actually can, um, you know, see everybody and then also have conversations. So that's working well. Yeah. What about rehearsal, Karen? Yeah. Uh, before I touch on that, I just want to mention we've been trying to utilize Microsoft Teams as mm -hmm. a place to kind of house the pre-reads and house the communication so that people can refer back to it. Like you were saying, you know, if you save it for later, it's all saved in one um, team so mm -hmm. they know exactly where to go to look for it. 
Um, but as far as the rehearsals, yes, I learned this lesson with the escape room. Um, do more than one rehearsal, um, one possibly to focus on technology and another one to focus on presentation. So in, in that scenario, we were doing the escape room rehearsal separate from the presenter rehearsals. Um, and we also um, do sometimes do technical prep sessions for the attendees as well. So it gives a level of, um, you know, that people feel comfortable when they come onto the meeting. They know what to expect. Yeah, and that's something that we, we did on the two uh, digital sites that we did is, um, I remember at the time it seemed a little, I'll use the word excessive, when they booked us for 15 minutes ahead of the call. I thought, well, what are we going to do for 15 mm -hmm. minutes? But every all, all our team all got on. There were six of us, and we're all in different areas of the country, and we've all been going, going, going. You know, we all know that just hit the hammer, hit the hammer all day long. And so you come on and you're kind of, I feel like I'm coming in hot sometimes. And so I can come on and take a deep breath and see everybody on the call and know they're there. And you just kind of get your nerves settled. You get comfortable. And, you know, even though it's not live, there's we're, we're so used to just, I'm just so used to on a site, just meeting and having a conversation with a person. I don't typically rehearse for a site inspection. But on this I do because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm hitting every point, and there's not as much opportunity for the back-and-forth conversation that you have, although we keep them very fun and exciting. I mean, we, we have little trivia games throughout and all of those sorts of things. But we, what we did is we, we came on, the, the team, presenting team came on about 15 minutes ahead of time, caught our breath, checked in with, you, with, with each other, and then we went into a waiting room. Um, uh, we had the attendees go into a waiting room, and then at the appointed hour, uh, we invited them in, and then we were all, you know, welcome, welcome, very, um, mm -hmm. you know, just light, light, uh, good energy and, and very positive messaging, welcoming messaging. Yeah, and I think it's great for people to connect, too. I, I love when I'm on uh, virtual meetings or even FICP chats, and we have those few minutes to kind of just say hi to each other. And, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of us are working from home. Some of us live alone, you know, we're not seeing very many people, so it's, it's just great even to have those few minutes just to connect with people before you jump into the agenda. Absolutely. And like what happened on our call today is having people call, call in, like I did, you know, versus computer. It's better audio and you don't, might not have internet mm -hmm. issues, so that's a good point as well. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys bring up these great points. My goodness. Keep going, Karen. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say, like, going back when I mentioned those technical prep sessions for the attendees, you know, a lot of people are, they know Zoom. It was new to us in the beginning, but now we've been using it. But what we're finding is when we do bring them in for these prep sessions, everybody's picking up at least one or two tidbits that they didn't know. Um, and now, actually, my team, the planners, are starting to be trained on how to be Zoom hosts. Um, because we're lucky enough that we do have an internal production team who's been supporting most of our virtual events. But the more we do this and the longer we do this, um, they, they just don't have the manpower. So we're going to try and step in and start kind of trying to run the meetings as the hosts ourselves. So it's, kind of, it's been a great learning experience, something that we didn't expect, but <laughs> something that's definitely been keeping us busy. And one thing I've done with my Zoom and Teams is change up my background. I know we've both we've been on calls together, and I think it's fun, first of all. And it's also a great way to add some branding back there, you know, let people mm -hmm. know who you are, where you're from, that sort of thing. So I think that's been fun for me, and it 
mixes things up a little bit. Um, but I think the, the main thing is collaboration is key right now. You know, be kind, be patient, take a deep breath. This is new to all of us, like Karen said before. We are definitely all learning and growing together. So that would be yeah, my I'm biggest takeaway. Yes, I agree. I'm finding that we, we are perfectionists and we want everything to be just perfect, but most of my business partners who I'm working with are very forgiving. They, they understand that this is um, new to us and everyone's learning and there's going to be hiccups on both sides, you know, whether that means like we started with a dog barking or, or it means somebody loses their internet for a minute. So luckily we're all in it together. Absolutely. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you have to care about each other, right? I mean, think about it. It's a global mm -hmm. pandemic. I mean, this is in fact impacting people personally, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's something we all have in common, and everybody's reacting differently. But at the end of the day, you have to, you know, being patient, being kind, uh, being caring is more important than ever. And I think in our, you know, especially in FICP, we've always cared about each other, right? But it's just more critical than ever. All of us need to care about each other, you know, whether you're mm -hmm. an executive you know, an events professional or, you know, an attendee, um, it's, it's really important to keep the connections going. And I, I think about, you know, we all talk about Zoom fatigue and things like that, but think about how lucky we are to have Zoom and Microsoft Teams and all the other platforms that, that we can really see each other. Um, I'm, I feel, you know, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, but for me, I see it more as a blessing um, because mm -hmm. I feel really grateful that we can connect to each other and see each other's faces. So. And I've had a lot of people talking about, not again, the, the first thing we want to do is get together for in-person meetings, but a lot of people have met so many folks through the FACP calls. You know, somebody yep. that was mm -hmm. relatively new, I've, Karen's been since 2005, me 2009, Jen, I know many, many years for you as well, and so we've, we've had many conferences together and, and all of that, but some of these people that are new, it kind of levels the playing field a little bit more, I think, and gives uh, newer mm -hmm. members the opportunity to um, connect and meet with some more people. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I've learned so much on this call from you two amazing women. Um, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last thoughts before we close? Karen, anything oh, for you? No, I think we've covered it, but thank you, Jen, for being a wonderful host. Oh yeah, my thank you. It's great. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, you guys are just amazing. I thank you for your passion, your great insight, your wisdom, and I congratulate you both on your great successes. And I think we'll just get even more and more successful as we learn. I mean, that's we have to be open to learning, right? And I and Karen, to your point before, and I mean, I'm a Virgo, so I'm like a perfectionist all the way. But you have to, you just have to kind of like swallow your pride and say, okay, and you just learn mm -hmm. from these mistakes because they're being made all the time because you just it's all so new. So, mm -hmm. um, you know. Thank you so much, and I want to thank our audience for listening and for your engagement as an FICP member, and we hope that these best practices have helped you plan for your next successful event. Take care.